Welcome to Amplified. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome to Amplified. We have an exciting guest today. I can't wait to get him on. So we are going to not spend a whole lot of time in the intro section. I want to ask Rosa, how was uh, your weekend with all this lovely snow? <laughs> it was a crazy snow, about four hours, and then the next day, sunny and gone. So <laughs> I'm okay well, with snow that gets going very quickly. Well, I'm very thankful that the snow at least lasted those four hours because my my son and I built two snowmen, and uh, we... <laughs> We marketed them correctly. Ty will be very impressed. We took the branches, and on the branches, we had Keep Smiling, and on the necktie, we had Top 1%. So we were we were sending out the message, you got to think of the Top 1% no matter what you're doing in life. So without uh, further ado, you always have a hot marketing tip. Let's go ahead and share with the audience and uh, where people can actually take advantage of maybe some type of offer you might have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, the, the tip is more of an offer this time only because Facebook – has made so many changes lately that if you're doing the same thing you were doing before, a lot of those things are not going to work anymore. Um, so the Umbrella Syndicate wanted to um, offer you a free um, makeover of your Facebook page so that we make sure that you have everything that is going to work with the new changes and a takeover where we actually take over and show you the things that you should be posting and how you should be posting. Um, so if anybody's interested, they can just leave us a message here on Amplify Radio and we'll get in touch with them and let them know how to go about getting their free makeover takeover. Well, I like offers that actually have a trial period that you get to check it out mm-hmm. and make sure it actually makes yes. a difference. And I'll tell you, there Seven are of only how a few percent of... Exactly. And there's only a few percent of Facebook pages, considering that's one of the largest platforms for still doing business, that actually use video in their cover page or use video in the profile mm-hmm. page or, or show something exactly. exciting that actually makes you say, this company stands out or this person stands out. So I mm-hmm. can't wait to talk to our friend Ty Cohen, if you'd be so kind as to read the bio. And I am so thankful. He has, um, I think it's a 60-page bio that he has a lot of his <laughs> podcast read, and we got the one-paragraph version, so we can actually get right to Ty within about a minute. So, Ty, thank you in advance for giving us the short bio. Go ahead, Rosa. I, you know, very quickly, before I introduce Ty, I want to I let you know that I have been a fan of his for about seven years. I've been getting emails from him for about seven years and learning a lot of internet marketing from him. So, thank you, Ty. Um, now, Ty Cohen is an accomplished publishing expert, internet marketer, personal development coach, mentor, internationally known speaker, former morning talk show radio personality, and author who took a financial gamble by quitting his corporate job and starting his own business. That business became an offline and online success, generating millions of dollars in sales and totally transforming Ty's life as well as the lives of countless others. Over the last 11 years, Ty has got taught 10,000 of individuals how to successfully market, promote, and sell their books on Amazon's direct publishing platform using the very same system that allows him to generate upwards of $50,000 a month with a KDP publishing. 
He uses a unique combination of tested and proven methods and resources. His goal is to educate, empower individuals with the tools needed to operate a successful business, both online and offline, and he has done that for me personally. Thank you, Ty. Welcome, Ty. Hey, I'm, I'm excited, and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty thankful. First, I got to give Rosa a big, big round of applause for being on my list for seven years. That's longer than my wife has been on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the energy. So I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. Well, great, Ty. So we're going to divide this uh, segment up because you're someone who's overcome a lot of stuff and you are such a giver. And I met you initially through the Marcus Cruise, three or four years I've been on the Marcus Cruise, and I've watched who you are. Your being is phenomenal. You're, you're positive. People love being around you. And you have just phenomenal energy, too. So I want to divide the show into one part is who is Ty? And what you had to do to become like a top 1% producer, a top 1% giver and leader. And then the other part, obviously, I want that content to be dropped down from your brain so people can take advantage. And I, I personally have a very selfish reason for having you on the show. I've, I've done 20 books uh, on Amazon, and I will say none of them have crushed it. And I know what you do on Amazon is you take books and you really create some amazing abundance for your clients. So I'll be listening on two levels. One is a future client, strategic partner, and the other one, obviously, as uh, someone who just loves what you're doing. Let's do it. All right. So I wanted to know, because I know your story as a child is not necessarily what was predictable for who you are today. So at what point in your, what was your childhood like, and at what point was your childhood transformed that you would actually be who you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I grew up with uh, I was born with a disease called sickle cell anemia, and I don't know if you've heard of it, Ken, or anyone in, that's listening yep. right now may have heard of it. But I'll give you the, the short version of it. So, sickle cell anemia is a chronic disease. It's a, it's something that you're born with, and that you know. In most occasions, it's it's something that's lifelong, right? So you're born with it, you die with it. Yep. There has been new um, works in the health industry that have uh, taken things, you know, in a different direction. But it's it's an excruciating, painful disease. When you go into what's known as a sickle cell anemia crisis, your blood cells go from being this round, pliable shape to a sickled shape, right, which makes it extremely difficult for those blood cells to, to, to travel through your veins and your capillaries. And, and um, what happens is you can get these painful crises in your extremities and your chest and your back and your head, just anywhere where blood flows. And what because of that, you can actually go through what's known as necrosis, uh, where certain areas of a bone can die off. I've actually had two total hip uh, replacements before the age of 30. So I had my first hip replacement um, when I was about 22, and then the second one just before I was 30 years old. And that was because of a sickle cell anemia. Um, and I would literally spend, spend weeks and weeks in the hospital in these painful crises. Now, there's no way of, of stopping the crisis once you go into one. It just has to pretty much stop on its own. Now, there's things that you can do to help facilitate that. But when you're in one of these pain crises, because the pain is so excruciating, they tend to treat you with um, high dosages of, of, of very powerful drugs like morphine or Dilaudid or Demerol. Um, which we know can be highly addictive as well, right? So I've sure. I've always shied away from from getting 
those medicines unless it was totally necessary. So, um, man, I remember being in the hospital one time. I'm about 12 years old, and out of out of seven of us, it was just me and my older sister Gwen that were born with sickle cell anemia. So I'm in the hospital. Yelling, how, how many how many siblings do you have? So six, six, oh, six. Mm-hmm. right? So just me and my older sister Gwen were born with it. So, um, and it's just something that's hereditary. So I'm in the hospital at about 12 years old, going through a sickle cell crisis, right? And this is probably about my 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 second or third week laying in a hospital bed, and I overhear my mom and my doctor talking outside of my my hospital room, and the doctor says in a in a very matter of fact voice. Mrs. Cohen, you know, you shouldn't expect your son to live past the age of 17. Hmm. So now they didn't realize that I heard them talking. And I, I just, I, I put the covers over my head and I start bawling. I mean, I start crying. I'm 12 years old and I'm hearing this. And I'm thinking, I've got five more years to live? Like, really? How fair is that? Yeah. Um, so to top it off, I get released from the hospital about a week later. I go home, and then six months later, my sister Gwen, who was 27, she ends up passing and ended up dying from a complication of having sickle cell anemia. So now, what the doctor says becomes even more surreal for me, right? Here I am, 12 years old, my sister Gwen, who I love with all my heart, she passes from the same disease that I have, Um, not to mention that you know, we lived in one of the worst areas, one of the worst neighborhoods at that time. And I saw a lot of my friends and a lot of my associates and family members either getting killed or just living really rough lives at that time. So I thought my, the reality of my life was either sickle cell anemia was going to kill me before 17 or 20, or I was going to die in the streets. That was my reality. Now, as a, as a 12 or 13 year old, that's, that's not much of a future to look forward to doesn't give you much to um, to project for the future, right? So you're not thinking about going to college. You're not thinking about having a family. You're not thinking about raising children. You're thinking about, and in my case, it was having as much fun as possible, right, before I check out. Now, luckily for me, although my mom and my dad were separated, my father was a big part of my life. So he would always come by, and he would always pick up me and my younger brother, Michael, and, and take us to church and spend time with us. And, and this was a hardworking guy, blue collar guy, didn't have a college education, but I, I always have known him to work multiple jobs. So he was a construction worker. He would, you know, that was his primary job. Um, he would work as a security guard as a secondary job, and he would drive taxi as well during his spare time. So I remember one day he came by the house and ironically at this time I'm 17 years old so he came by the house it was a Sunday morning he's picking me and my brother up to take us to church with us right we go to church on the drive back my dad had this little Volkswagen Beetle do you remember those old Volkswagen Beetles the, the putt-putts and you know they would shut on and off all the time but <laughs> they were cool though <laughs> they were cool they were really cool right <laughs> My dad had like two or three of those things. We would get teased by the kids. You know, the kids would say, what, did, what does your father have? A, 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 what does he think? He's got a, a car lot over there, you know? But uh, <laughs> so we're coming home from church one morning. And mind you, my dad wasn't an entrepreneur. He wasn't entrepreneur minded. But I saw a book 
by Les Brown. First time I've ever heard of Les Brown before. And I pick up this book, and as we're riding home from church, I'm sitting in the back seat, and I'm thumbing through it. And I was a ferocious reader. I, I always loved reading. It was something that my mom got me into. She would bring me comic books whenever I was in the hospital as a coping mechanism to, to keep my mind off of a pain and what I was going through, right? So everything that I got, I, could, I, would, I would read it from cover to cover. So I'm flipping through this book, um, and I'm hearing Les Brown, and I'm reading him saying, if you could look up, you could get up. And someone's opinion of you doesn't have to be your reality. This is my first taste of personal development. I'd never seen anything like this before, let alone I'd never seen anything like this coming from someone that looked like me. I'm African-American. Les Brown is African-American. I think you were talking about your relationship with him and, 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 and some things that you have in the future that's in works. But you know how powerful Les is if, if your listeners haven't heard of Les Brown, one of the, right? One of the most. One of the most powerful. Yeah. One of the most powerful. So I'm, I'm reading this, and it totally changed my pers- perspective. I had a different that, – that, at that moment, I could feel myself going through this paradigm shift. And I went from being hopeless to saying, you know what? This is not going to be my reality. So me dying and passing from sickle cell anemia is not where it's going to stop for me. And it's, it, it's certainly not going to stop right now at me being 17 or 19 or 20. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I just knew that I was going to do it. I just knew that that was not going to be it for me. Sometimes we don't even have to have the answers. We just have to make up our mind at that point. Right? Um, I also knew that the hood, the, the ghetto that we were living in at that time was not going to be the rest of my future. For some reason, Ken, at that moment, I, I did something that I'm talking about being in the back of my dad's car, right? And flipping through Les Brown's book. And I got so entrenched with this thing. We got, we got to my house and it was maybe about a 20 minute drive from the church to um, my house. And it felt like two minutes. Have you ever been on a drive where you just don't know how you got there, right? And it, the time just flies by. So that's how it was for me. Well, that's how it is for me right now. <laughs> so I, I look up and I'm like, we're here already? Now, I hadn't gone through the book and I didn't want to ask my dad. I was surprised that he had this type of a book in his car, to be honest with you, because like I said, he was a blue collar guy. I've never known him to have an entrepreneurial bone in his body. So hey, Ty, I did. Ty, what's that? Did he tell you why he got this book? I never asked him. And to this day, I, I you know, um, ask me about my, my father in, a, in about five minutes because it, okay, it ties it. in, okay? Because uh, I, I probably will forget. So I did the next best thing. I didn't want to ask him. So guess what I did with the book? I did what any 17-year-old would do. I stole a book out of my dad's car. You the, got to. You I'm, not, I'm, not proud of, <laughs> I'm not proud of that moment there. But I took it home, dude, and I read it. Now, mind you, this is a Sunday night. I had to be in school the next day, 7 o'clock. I took that book and I read it from cover to cover until like 3 in the morning. I mean, I, I read it from cover to cover. And again, Les Brown, all of his Les Brown-isms, right, right, are coming at me. If you can look up, you can get up. Someone's opinion of you doesn't have to be reality. Yeah, you know, just all of these great quotes that Les has. And at that moment, like I said, I knew that there was going to be more to my life. So that was my first taste of personal development. My first, um, at, that, at that point, I didn't yet get into wanting to have my own business, wanting to start my own business, that didn't come until 
a couple of months later. Um, but that was the beginning for me there. And, and you were 17 at this point? I was 17 at that point. Wow. So first business thoughts. So first business thoughts, all right, came again, going back, I said that I, I loved collecting comics and I had a ton of comic books at that time. I had a ton of action figures that go along with the comics, Superman and Batman and all of these. Who's other your things. favorite? Uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man would be the favorite, right? So okay. I, um, I've had one job in my life and that, I got that job when I was 14. It was a summer work program for kids, right? For at-risk kids. And I ended up getting my first job at Walgreens Pharmacy. And I would take every paycheck that I had, right, and buy either comic books or buy action figures. And I got to the point where I had so many comic books, so many action figures in my room where my mom gave me an ultimatum one day. And she says, either you're going to get rid of some of this stuff or I'm going to throw it out. Hmm. So now, mind you, I put everything that I had for my summer job and from, you know, working a couple of hours a week here and there into these comic books and action figures. And I, and I couldn't let her throw them out. So I, I said, you know what? Maybe I could sell some of them. Maybe I could just sell some of them, and then I could use the money to get more. So there was a magazine out at that time, and it's still out to this day, actually, two of them, called Toy Shop and Action Figure Digest. So at the time, it was $44 to put a business card size ad in the back of Action Figure Digest. So I, I sent in $44. About six weeks later, my ad appeared, and I started getting phone calls, and I started getting faxes. At that, do you remember what a fax yeah. machine is back at that time? Right? <laughs> so I started getting faxes in where people would inquire about some of the comic books and the action figures that I had to sell. And I would correspond back with them. I would either give them a card back or send them a fax back. And then I would get orders back in. So I remember with this $44, that $44 turned into like $300. And at that point, I was totally hooked because I'm like, wow, I made I made 300 bucks and I didn't have to leave my house. I didn't have to go to work. I didn't have to deal with uh, my boss at Walgreens or customers or anything else. Uh, um, so that was my first taste of entrepreneurism. And yeah, I would literally take the bus down to the library, downtown Bridgeport, and read everything I could about marketing and copywriting and pick up books by guys like Gary Benzavenga and Gary Halbert and Dan Kennedy and some of the greats and just literally study this stuff every minute that I had available. So then I continued to go in and put bigger and bigger and bigger ads into some of these publications. So I went from a business size card ad to a quarter page ad, right? And then I would take that money and flip it into a half page ad and then take that money in. And eventually I got to a point where I was putting out multiple uh, full page ads in some of these publications. Uh, and that was, the, that was the first taste right there. I grew that business to the point where it was making about 20 grand a month by me selling uh, action figures and comic books and the old G.I. Joes from the 60s and Barbie dolls and, and wind up, you know, antique Disney toys. and um, Jesus. How old were you then? At that point, I was about 20, 21 years old. And 20000 a month? It was 20000 a month. Now, here's something right here, Ken. I, wanted, I, wanted, I just want to touch on really quickly, right? Because it, it, it goes to show the power of the mind and our self-imposed limitations. So I told you that I was working at Walgreens Pharmacy, right? Now, right. it was the only job I had. I worked there for just under 10 years. So I worked from 9 to about, I mean, I'm sorry, 14 to about 23 years old. Now, I'm making $20,000 a month. I'm 20, 21 years old, yet 
I'm still working at Walgreens Pharmacy because working at Walgreens Pharmacy was more dependable, in my mind, more dependable and more reliable than the income that I was making from my own business. So do you see how that, how that plays out there? Yeah, totally. Right? So it, it, now, not only, of course, I, I, I did enjoy the job at Walgreens. I enjoyed the customers. I enjoyed you know, the people that I worked with. But there was more of a sense of security there. And I say that to say that there's someone that's listening right now that's in a position where there's this false sense of security in what you're doing. But you know that that's not really what you should be doing. You know that there's more. So sometimes we have to just listen to our inner self because our inner self hardly ever steers us wrong. You're right. And I want to ask you a question about the sickle cell, actually. Let's go ahead. So a lot of people that have something that's considered a debilitating disease or something that holds them back in life, they actually consider it a blessing. Would you yes. say that that was a blessing because of how you behaved to make every minute count or life more purposeful? Dude, absolutely, without a doubt. And I'll tell you how. So with sickle cell anemia, right, I was restricted as a kid. There was a lot of things I couldn't do. I couldn't play out in the cold because that could trigger sickle cell uh, anemia. Uh, crisis. I couldn't play when it got too hot outside, right? 90, 95 degrees, because that could possibly trigger a sickle cell anemia crisis. I couldn't put myself in stressful situations because that would potentially trigger a sickle cell anemia crisis. So I got to the point where I said, you know what? Man, if I have all of these obstacles and I can do X, Y, and Z, it makes me feel as if I'm accomplishing something. So I had to work around all of these limitations, right, to a degree. And I said, when I got to the, the, the belief of there's really no limitations in life other than our own self-imposed limitations, um, it also got me to the point where I appreciate life a little bit more because it's not something that's guaranteed, right? I heard Jim Rohns at one point, he said, you know, Sometimes we look at things in terms of how many years we have left, right? So we might have. Right. Do you have Do you have children, Ken? I do. I have a four and a half year old. You do too, right? I I do. I have four. So uh, a four year half, four and a half year old. That's perfect, right? So boy or girl? Boy. Okay. Awesome. So your son, right? Four and a half years old. There's going to be times where he says, "Daddy, will you come outside and play with me?" Or, "Daddy, can you do this with me?" Right. Now you and you might be busy at that time. You want to do it, but you may be busy at that time, right? And you say, you know, what's your son's name? His name's Kenny, and actually this is real life because this weekend I chose him over an event. Okay, so perfect. Ahead. Perfect. A man after my own heart. And you say, Kenny, you know what daddy's at? Give, give daddy 10 minutes or daddy's busy or whatever it may be at the moment. But Jim Rohn says, you know what? Instead of us looking at how many more years we have, right, we have to start looking at how many more times will we get to experience X, so for you to throw a ball with your son, how many more times will you get to experience that before he no longer wants to do it or before he's too big to do it, right? He's 20, 25 years old or until something else may possibly happen, you know? So when we look at it in that way, like for my, my children, right? I go on field trips with them all the time, as many times as I can, because I know that I only have certain a certain number of times to go on X number of field trips with him, right? They may go on 12 field trips throughout the time of him being in first grade all the way up to 12th grade. So I start to count these things down. I'll say, okay, I only have 11 more times 
10 more times, nine more times, eight more times to go on a field trip with Summer. Hmm. And when you do it that way, it, it gives you a totally new perspective and a totally new appreciation as well. Um, it's almost like a cat's in the cradle syndrome. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yes, I, I believe that any obstacle that you have, it helps you. If you look at it the right way, it can help you to, to, to really propel yourself and a few you so that you continue to go and, and um, not only go, but grow in a different direction as well. well. I have a weird question for you, Ty. What's that? Movies. Unbreakable? You know? Unbreakable with Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, exactly. Yes. I vaguely remember it. Well, the reason I ask you that is because he was breakable. He broke every time he fell down the stairs. He had to be really careful. And I know sickle cell is not the same issue at all. But my point is he used that as a superpower. And with you uh, dealing with really who superheroes are. And by the way, my son is fascinated by all these superheroes and Legos right now. I mean, just mesmerized by it so he he'll actually come and run in the door he goes did you get me a you know a lego heads <laughs> which is you know something you can build it looks right. like superman but it's really weird looking <laughs> but um I, I i just was going on a a gut instinct that unbreakable would be something that would be relatable to what you were talking about of staying in your lane like you focused on where you could excel and then you really took off there I, and I, and that's it you have to find your strengths and and then really really hone in on them. Some, sometimes we talk about um, working our passions, right? I don't think it always has to be a passion. Someone was asking me about that this past weekend. I think it's more of the things that you're good at and they don't necessarily appear to be work. The things that people question you on, the things that people always want to get your opinion on, the things that people value your input on. Right. And the things that you can do and the time just seems to pass by. Right. You're you're in that moment. I'm reading a book right now um, called what is it called here? It's called the, um, oh, the Practicing Mind. Right. And he talks about Who did the, practicing, that? The, the practicing mind. And uh, that's actually by Thomas Sterner, S-T-E-R-N-E-R. Mm-hmm. And he talks about being in a moment, right, and being in flow. And we know that when we're, we're in flow, when we're, we're 100% in tune and in vision with the thing that we're working on, that could be mowing the lawn, right? And as you're mowing the lawn, you can hear the blade cut the grass, right? You hear the birds chirping. You see your neighbor across the street watering his car as he's washing his car, and nothing else matters, right? You're in the moment, but until you start to think about, am I in the moment or not, then you're no longer in the moment. So as soon as you start to say, well, am I in the moment right now? Then you're not in the moment because you're not thinking about it, right? right? So those things that you can do and, they, and it puts you in a moment, those are your strengths there. I love that way of describing it because when time is absent, they say you're having fun, but it's really that you're in the zone and you're flowing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's that's it. Well, I, I want to digress for a second because we have that gentleman, Captain Lou Edwards, who put our lives together. And quite frankly, if I didn't know about the Marcus Cruz, I don't know how I would have met you because that's where I met you every single time. And I hope to meet you on other events. But right now, um, how much is I, I want to say something, two things. One is how Captain Lou put us together. But secondly, is you're the guy <laughs> that goes on the Facebook message as 
the first of 400 people to sign up for the next marketer's cruise, Ty Cohen, <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> and that says two things, right? It says how important the marketer's cruise is, but it also says who you are as a character. When you see something that makes a difference in your life, you buy in and you're all in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, here's the thing. So, and, and I can't say that this will happen for everyone, right? Um or that this is the most important thing either because, as you know, Ken, we built up some – and when I say we, I'm talking about myself and my, my wife because my wife goes with me on a marketer's cruise. You've met my mm-hmm. wife, Melody, yep. a few times. So we have a great time on this thing, right? We have a great time on a marketer's cruise. It's a tax write-off. You get to travel over Caribbean and other areas with just great people such as yourself and Captain Lou and the, the three, four, five hundred other marketers and business owners and entrepreneurs and wannabe entrepreneurs that are there as well. But also, in addition to all of that, the first year of me going, and this past year was our eighth year, the first year I ended up doing a million dollars worth of business. So that alone will bring you back, right? So... Well, do you mind if I digress? Not digress, but actually uh, give you an opportunity to shout out because you told me this last year and it stuck with me hardcore. It was, you said, Ken, eight years ago, you see that person there? I met them. I've done this much business with them. I've done this much business with Greg. Can you just name some of the people that you met as a kind of a tribute to what Lewis created, but also who they've been for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we built up uh, great friendships with Davin Michaels and his wife, his, his significant Liz and and uh, Tom Bill and his significant Wanda. We built up great uh, friendships with Greg Caesar and his wife Joanne and Mike Phil Same. And uh, there's just a, a ton of people, Damian Zamora and, um, and his it, wife. So, yeah. Isn't it wild that, that there's no other time ever that the Internet's going to be so bad that you actually get back to an offline life, a real life, a conversation, and you get access Seven days, like if you don't get them the first day, you have plenty of other times and you can go deep, you can go to Pete's and Profits. I mean, I, I've seen you don't even work it. It's just that you are having the time of your life having abundance conversations. And that's exactly it. I was talking to Lisette, right? Mm-hmm. That's her name, right? The lady in yeah. red. Uh, no, that's Andrea. 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 There uh, you go. Andrea. <laughs> so I was talking. <laughs> I was talking to Andrea, and um, don't tell her I said that. I know. I won't. Su- Wait, no, we're gonna, we're gonna ta- we're gonna ta- we're gonna take that out. We'll take that out of the show. <laughs> but she's a sweetheart, right? So we've we've kept yeah. in contact. Now, there's so many people that come on this thing, and just as you said, there's there's conversations of abundance, and there's so many awesome people that you don't get to talk to everyone um, the first time. So again, we've been coming for seven or eight years, and just this year. Myself and Andrea, we've really connected to the point where we're texting back and forth. We've had a couple of conversations. There's some business that's involved. And it's it's not pressured business, right? It just happens. It just happens in the moment, which is awesome because along with that, there's also that relationship that comes in hand with it, which I think is right. just totally beautiful. Yes, indeed. I love what you uh, – there was a guy named Dwayne Lewis. Do you recall him? Uh, Dwayne, yes. I think he was from, with, from, uh, England. Doctor, from England. Dr. Yes. Joe. Right. Dr. Joe, right. right. So I bring this up because he was on his first cruise and you talked to him and you said, just be cool. And right. I love the fact that people like you say in an intimidating, overwhelming situation like this that would induce some stress, if you're cool, you actually create abundance. That's it. 
Yeah. Don't don't force it. It comes. Well, would you say that that also applies to life in general? I think that uh, after years and years and years of being in business, I noticed that there's a few things, right? So when you push for it really, really hard, there's more of a struggle. Yes. Versus where there are points when you allow it to come to you. Now, I'm not saying sit on your couch, right, and chill out and eat bonbons, not in that way. But when you allow it to come to you in just a natural manner, then there's more abundance, it comes easier, and it's more enjoyable, right? Um, I think part of that is also allowing momentum to take place and to continue to take place. I I think this interview is actually an example of it because I've – Every single time I've seen you, although I don't get to talk to you as often as I'd like after the cruise, each cruise lifted me to another level of trust and connection with you that you saw that I was really interested in creating abundance with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and that's one of those, those, those situations where I think both of us knew that it was going to happen. It's just a matter of when, right? It was already done. It's already said. It's, it's, it's just like me going back to what, we, what I talked about a few minutes ago where I said, after reading Les's book, Les Brown's book, I knew that there was going to be more for my life than me passing from sickle cell anemia, than for me being involved with something in the area that I grew up and possibly passing from that or worse, right? or if there's anything worse than that. Um, but, but just knowing and not knowing how it would happen. Right. When's so, the last time you've had, when's the last time you've had sickle cell affect you? Uh, about eighteen months ago, I had a crisis, and um, actually, I just I just saw my physician the other day. I see her every uh, quarter, so I just saw her the other day, and and uh, I'm actually on the board at at our hospital here at Rex in um, North Carolina, and I've got invited to be part of a board to help educate inform and inspire other people that have sickle cell anemia. So we have meetings every month where we get together and talk about how that can happen. So yeah, to answer your question, the last time was about 18 months ago because I learned how to deal with it mentally. Um, I learned how to deal with it as far as things to do and not to do, how to tell when something's going to take place and how to counteract that, as well as, you know, I, I, I take a ton of supplements and, and uh, things that help me to stay in better shape. Yeah, the reason I bring that question up is because you're not rid of it. It's how you control it. It's how you actually create a life you love that minimizes that effect on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the beautiful things about being an entrepreneur, right? So you now have more control over the things that you had less control over before. Right. And one of those things being the time, number one. So if I feel that I, I, I love the work, right? But if I feel that I have to slow down, then I have the freedom to do that. Now, fortunately, that doesn't happen a lot. Um, I, I, we eat extremely well, organics, and you know, um, there's no limitations on that. So being an entrepreneur allows that to take place. Um, being able to be in stress-free environments, uh, as an entrepreneur, that can go either way, right? But it, being an entrepreneur helps to facilitate that a little bit more as well. Well, Ty, I got to say something to you. This is like when you said, is this a four-hour radio show or is this a six-hour radio show? And I said, I'm afraid it's only a one-hour radio show. 
And you said, oh, gosh. And we had that, like, a little cry session we both did. And right. we are down to 22 minutes. And it's not even a full 22 minutes. I want to actually – I never have done rapid fire so soon. But I have questions I want to ask, and I have so many questions. Could I have the permission from you to ask questions that are important to our listeners and about because it's about publishing books, Amazon, Abundance. Can we shift there? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. I'm going to ask you questions, and if you can answer them like in two minutes, a minute, maybe 30 seconds, that'd be awesome. So here we go. Okay. So one question is, what is the mistake a lot of people make when they're publishing their book? They don't do market research. So they don't go, and this is business in general. They don't find out if there's someone that's willing to, number one, um, seek what it is that they have available for sale. And number two, are they willing to part with their money to, to get access to it? Very good. And how do you get started with online marketing? So for online marketing, find a demand, find something where there's a community that has a need, right? And it can't be that they just have a need, but they have to be aware that they have a need. Because sometimes we have a problem and we're not even aware that we have a problem. So that's the, the, the second thing. The third thing is once they're aware, also they should be willing to part with their money to find that solution. The third thing is um, they should be rabid, meaning that they buy over and over and over again. So one of my audiences are writers, right? So writers will they number one, they're passionate about writing. They know that they have a problem because they're not 100% sure on how to publish, how to self-publish, how to get awareness, how to write a query letter, how to get it approved. There's a million other things. The second thing is they'll go in and spend on information to educate themselves on how to do this. The, Right, and I can sell multiple times over and over and over again to them. Totally. Okay, how about self-publish, traditional publish? All right, traditional publishing is a lot harder now thanks to Amazon.com because Amazon's created this Kindle Direct Publishing platform that allows anyone to go in and, and literally publish. They've also put the squeeze on the traditional publishing industry by, number one, lowering the price point so that people expect to pay for a book by making it easier to get in so that barrier of entry is now lowered right uh, self-publishing is there's no obstacles you can get in do your research get started with kindledirectpublishing.com uh, i've got a entire training on how to do that you can watch a free video if you want maybe ken will throw the link up well i'll throw a link but tell them tell them where it is right now Okay, it's at kindlecashflow.com. So Kindle, K-I-N-D-L-E, cash, C-A-S-H, flow, F-L-O-W.com. In that, I go through the entire three-step process, and that is finding your market, right? Doing market research to make sure that people want to buy what it is that you're selling. Number two, I show you how to publish your content, whether you're going to write it yourself or have someone else write it for you or any of the other ways that I... Uh, teach how to get your content created. And then number three, how to actually publish it to Amazon and start getting visibility so that you can start making sales. And uh, we're going to get a little controversial here, Ty. Let's do it. So I showed you the Keith Smiling book. Yes. And if I had a Kindle version on a marketer's cruise with no internet, I wouldn't be able to show you jack nothing, right? Not so, so every time you saw a book that I produced, even though I didn't have a lot of them, I showed you proof so Kindle versus proof, or do you do both? Both. 
So you publish on Kindle and you also publish on CreateSpace or Lulu.com or any of the other outlets. I'm sure, Ken, you've got some that you can share as well, uh, but both, absolutely. And it's so important that people understand in this message that you're saying is self-publishing is only as good as the marketing research or the person that they're going to collaborate with, like yourself, that has a plan that's going to get them actually the abundance, but more importantly, the impact they're supposed to have. Absolutely. So a big mistake that I see people make is they'll put a book out there and that's it, right? So that old adage of build it and they'll come, that does not apply to Kindle publishing. Yeah, the, the root awakening is I tell people, the world does not care about the book you're about to make. Right. And, and it's not that they don't care. It's they don't know. And if they don't know, they don't care. The number one problem that a lot of publishers and business owners in general have is obscurity. No one knows about you. There's 8 billion people on the earth, right? Mm-hmm. And if no one knows about you, then that's terrible. Now, the good thing is because there's 8 billion people on earth, it's not hard to make some sales if you do your research the right way initially. Well, you know, I have a, a little bit of an epiphany that is so strange because of the snowstorm, but I had my Verizon knocked out, and so I had no internet, no cable, and, uh, and whatever else comes with our plan for the entire weekend. And I spent probably about 35 minutes on the phone with Verizon, and they said, did you do this, did you do that? And every time I said either yes or no, if it was a no, I did it. But they never asked me one simple question, which would have alleviated the issue of waiting three days for a technician to come out, which is, can you go outside and make sure your Verizon is still plugged in? Mm-hmm. And my point in sharing that is that life is about that. When you actually do not know what the only thing is that you need in order to create abundance, like this show is so much about you giving the answers and the proof of creating a seven-figure income by just plugging into the right solution that will take you there. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And we never know what we don't know, actually. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny. You say, can you tell me what you don't know that you don't know? If they answer it, then they know that they don't know it. Right. Now, there's always awareness, right? There's always awareness. We probably all know what we can probably do to lose weight if we wanted to, right? We can exercise. Exactly. We can eat a little bit better, but just not knowing, yes. Hey, Ken, do me a favor, please. Yes. Don't mention the word snow anymore. <laughs> I, I, I won't. Although my son wants me to mention it a lot in this show, but I will not mention it. So I want to say a different kind of uh, a totally off-road question. It's the uh, you have scaled businesses to seven figures. How do you right. do it? So uh, one of the, the biggest things that I've found is quantity and momentum. So, I mean, massive amounts of quantity. Tony Robbins... Uh, what does he call it? He calls it. Um, he taught. He calls it having a map, a massive action plan. Mm-hmm. So now you can't just take massive action, right? Because you can. You can just be taking massive action in the wrong direction, and nothing happens. You're just floundering around. But once you, I tell people, you need one cell. All it takes is if I make. If I'm starting a new business and I get one cell. That's not from my mom or not from Ken or not from Rosa or anyone else that I know. I can barely sleep that night. <laughs> I can barely sleep that night because I know that there's 8 billion people that are on the earth. And all it takes is for me to figure out how to reach more people like that one person that, that, that made that initial sale. 
I'm having that conversation right now with my son, Tyler, who's 13, and my daughter, Maya, who's 19. They're building their Shopify stores. And it's so exciting, right? Because sometimes, you know, I've made a ton of money. I've sold a lot of stuff. But seeing them do this now and start from square one, it it it, it makes me excited again because I'm seeing they've got their first sale. And I'm, I'm up here and I'm jumping up from the desk and I'm running around like an Indian. And they're looking at me like I'm nuts. And they're, Dad, it's one sale. It's $7, Dad. What are you... What? You don't understand. This is one cell, but there's billions of people out there. <laughs> yes, you know? and and the more important part is they actually converted, and conversion is everything in the in the scope of whether a business works or not. Correct, absolutely, and we can. That's an entire conversation right there, right? Because, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, can I? I'll segue to probably the answer you just gave. But what are you most proud of? I'm most proud of. Uh, me being able to, my father was so important to me in my life, right? And just him and, and, and he saw something in me that I didn't even see. I could tell every time when he looked at me when I was 12 and 13 and 14, he would always say things that I didn't hear at that moment. But now I hear, he would say, you know, I'm proud of you, son. And you're smart. And all of these things that it's crazy. And I didn't hear it at the time. Now I can hear him saying it as clearly as if he's right here. My, my father passed. He ended up, I remember I told you one of his jobs was a taxi driver. Right. So some three guys ended up trying to rob him one night. And uh, he gave him his wallet and everything. And, and as he was running away, they ended up shooting him in the back. Um, so that's just another obstacle that I had to go through, right? Um, when, was, when was that time? That was, I, I was in my, I was in my, I want to say late 20s or early 30s when that happened. So that was about 10 years ago. Yeah. So that was about 10 years ago then. Um, but so to answer your question, I'm most proud of my children and seeing some of the things that they do, especially when they listen, because I have four. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, or when they regurgitate some of the stuff. I was having a conversation with my son, Devon, a couple of months ago, and we were in a car and he's regurgitating back to me some of the things that I said to him a year ago when I said it to him I didn't think he was listening but Give me as he as he's, he so an example would be he's a basketball player right and he's 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 on he's at uh, Texas right now on scholarship and he says you know Ty when I'm practicing um, he, he says dad when I'm practicing you know one of the things that I do is I see myself making a shot before I even shoot it and I must have said that to him about 500 times, whether right. we're practicing on the side of the house or I'm screaming it to him courtside as he's in the middle of a game. See yourself making a shot. See yourself making a shot. You know, stop it's, playing it's around. A Tony Rob- That's a Tony Robbins move. It, uh, maybe, yeah. But, you know. Um, well, it's, it's a lot it, of people that are successful, honestly. It's, right. And, 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 I've, and I didn't think he was paying attention. Mm-hmm. Right. And then six months later, we're in a car and out of the blue, he says, and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, this guy, he's got it. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell me what your dad said to you that uh, was so resonating. So with him, just, you know, the, the, the things, him saying that he's proud of me and that, you know, smart and uh, just little things that he saw in me. You know, there wasn't, not, there wasn't one individual thing, but just a combination of things over the years. Well, I'll correct you even not knowing the situation, but I'll say it wasn't little things, it was big things. Absolutely, big things. And, I, and that went through my head as I was saying it as, as well. <laughs> you're 100% right. Yeah. You're 100% uh, right. Well, one of the messages in the show is 
what a parent, a father or mother, does that actually causes a child to either be pushed back or to let them go and be powerful. And right. it's, it's really cool that you acknowledge that to your dad. Yeah, and those things are important. I just had uh, my daughters and I, we go on these daddy-daughter dances. We just, uh, my, do- my youngest daughter, Summer, who's 10, we just went on our third, uh, actually our fourth, this past Saturday. And I've got the pictures right here on my desk, and it's just a beautiful moment. It's something that I'll always remember, she'll always remember. And um, I call her Princess Summer, right? And I say, I, I always tell her, soon you're going to be a queen. Always remember that. E- remember that even when you're in a not so good situation. Always remember that when you may not believe it. Always remember that when you do believe it, but you are a princess right now and soon you'll be a queen. So that's in you. So, so you've done hundreds of podcasts and radio shows and I said that I wanted to make this one special to you. Have you said how much you love your kids in any particular radio show? Uh, like no. actually talk to them? As far as talk talk I, to my my children on the show, yeah, go ahead. Just no. say if you want to, just say who they are and what they mean to you. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got. Go ahead. Go as you say. Go for it. I've got four of them. So I've got uh, our two girls are the bookends, right? So youngest to oldest. So our youngest is Summer, and our oldest is Maya. So both of these girls are um, they're my hearts, right? They're they're. They're my princesses. Maya, she's 19. She'll be my princess until she's 99, right? Same with Summer. Summer's the one that she loves Legos like your son. She's got a ton of Legos. Legos and American Girl dolls are her things, right? So she's the scientist of the the family. Um, And they just mean a lot. My daughter Maya was another paradigm shift for me. She, She was also integral in me just changing my life and just getting to that next point, Right, we, I think we have to have stair steps in our lives where we have these paradigm shifts. So both of these young ladies I love dearly. My sons Tyler and Devon, who are in the middle, um, man, they, they just drive me to carefully drive them to be better than I am. And I say carefully because if we push our kids too much, then we end up pull, pushing them in the wrong direction, right? That's right. That's right. Um, so I, not Joe Jackson style, right? You just got to be, you <laughs> you gotta be, you gotta be careful with it, right? I know. And, so know, we're saying isn't it, that uh, there's a Michael produced out of it, but not a friendship and a love for the father. That's crazy. Yes, right. So there's a thin line there. So you got to be very careful. So one of my biggest things is to make sure that one of the things that drives me is to make sure that my children's children's children know my name mm-hmm. and they know it in a respectful way. Yeah, that's wonderful. And you're creating legacies, obviously. Tell me about some of the books you've done. So some of the books that I've done on my own or that I'm reading right now, or what do you want to do here? Let's do on your own first. Okay. All right. So one of the books that I'm pretty proud of is Secrets to Setting Successful Goals. So this shows you how to go in and set goals the right way, um, how to make sure that when you're setting goals that you don't get uh, lost, meaning you don't get off, off track. And then what happens once you hit that goal, right? Because once you, so sometimes hitting a goal can be pretty dangerous. Because we feel like we've arrived. And then that can drive us back more than it does anything else. Right? So you have to continuously set bigger and bigger goals that are in align with what you've already achieved and already accomplished. When did you um, do that book, Ty? When did you do that book? That is an older book. I did that one maybe about nine years ago. 
And we're how, many actually, you, how many have you done now? Uh, now about 12. Okay. So that's one of the reference points that we're going to make in the show with a link to Amazon. Absolutely. Right? Let's, let's do and, it. And we're getting down to a couple minutes. So what can people do to follow you? And, uh, and what books would you recommend? That was a part two of that question that changed your life. Okay. So to follow me, you can follow me on Facebook. All right. So facebook.com forward slash Cohen, C-O-H-E-N-T-Y. So C-O-H-E-N-T-Y. Um, you know, one of the things that I like to do, Ken, is I also like to actually give out my phone number. So you can send me a text at area code 203-526-6031. If you want to talk business, if you want to talk about, you know, some of the obstacles that you're going through and if you need some direction, I'm, I'm always there. And if you want to talk marketing, especially hit me up because I love talking marketing. And I will say that this really is his uh, text cell number and he really does respond. And I'm going to, man, I wish this wasn't live. I'd erase it so I could call you all the time, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So what's a quote you live by? So uh, one of the quotes that I live by is to walk away from the 97% crowd, right? So walk away from the 97% crowd. Don't use their excuses, right? Don't use the reasons why they won't, can't, or don't think they can do something. And then take charge of your own life. And that's by Jim Rohn. You know, I love that because I just started this new company, Big Events USA, and it's really dealing to the people that want to play in the top 1%. And there's the 96% and 4%. And that's where you're heading. You're actually heading to people that are in action, want to create abundance, want to create impact in the world. I love it. Absolutely. Okay, so the last thing I want to do is make sure we actually say again what kind of offer you have so people can actually connect with you and get their book done and have abundance in their book. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested in Kindle publishing or even if you're interested in marketing in general, right, to, to be added to my mailing list, I think Rosa said she's been on it for about seven years, maybe um, go to KindleCashflow.com. Even if you don't want to sign up for the webinar, you just want to be on my mailing list, you can go to KindleCashflow.com. Uh, during that webinar, I teach you the three step system that I use to generate thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a month publishing books on Amazon's Kindle Direct Publishing platform. And that is to number one, do your market research to find out if there's an audience that wants to buy your book or that's act- actively seeking what you're planning on publishing. Number two, I'd show you how to go in and get that content created and to make it the best. And then number three, I show you how to publish it and market it so that it's visible to as many people as possible. Well, in the 99-1 game, and it's not too far from the 97-3 game, is I want to know where Ty's going to be because I want to put those events on Big Events USA. And I have to say thank you very much for spending an hour with us, Ty. You are absolutely right. Do not do a six-page bio for a man who has this much information. I wish we had more time. We're going to bring you back again and 12 books. So look up on Amazon, Ty Cohen, and get as many of these books as possible because he has learned from the best, and you always want to read a person who is a reader. Thank you, Ty. Thank you, Ken. Thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashad again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard. 